Henshin Inspection presents Kissing Concrete. This is MJ. I'm an author, I'm an artist, I'm an analyzer. Find all my work at mjmunoz.com. Welcome to Kissing Concrete. Visit mjmunoz.com slash kc for notes and links. And don't forget to subscribe, like, share, and comment to help me grow. So, today, I'm going to be talking about Kissing Concrete, <laughs> Concrete Revolution, episode four. And this is actually a two-parter, and unfortunately for me, it felt like a two-parter. Uh, I meant to grab the information for who wrote it and directed it, but I didn't really do that. It'll be in the show notes, so you can look at those. So I'm going to start off talking about what I didn't like about this episode, and it's called like, you know, Japan Beast History Part 1 or something like that, and the beasts that they refer to are actually kaiju. So they're called kaiju, they're called beasts, they're called both. Uh, there's a little cold opening type thing where, uh, you know what, that doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm not synopsizing these episodes. Um, something that I didn't like is that it felt a little bit like a two-parter. It felt like there were unresolved things that were going to be addressed later on. Unless in a, this is a continuing story and this is where the characters were at the beginning of the episode, this is where they are at the end, and this is how they've progressed, what new conflicts have you know come up after they've resolved the original one, stuff like that. It felt more like, oh, this is an unfinished episode. It's, it's an episode broken up in two parts. And to some extent, you could argue that all the episodes are broken up into two parts because they all take place in different times, but the effect of it this time was a lot less enjoyable than it was uh, in previous installations. Something that I did like, though, is that, well, <laughs> something that didn't make sense to me was how Kiko is narrating at least part of the episode, if not the whole thing, and maybe it's going to be told from her perspective in one instance and then from Jiro's in another, perhaps in the second half of the episode. I don't know. But regardless, uh, the episode was told from her perspective. She knew that uh, Jiro had really helped Gross Augen, and we got to see the impact of that, and that was kind of neat because she didn't note it in her narration, and Kiko, in time, was being lied to and deceived by Jiro. Uh, she didn't know about him having saved Gross Augen, basically, or, uh, it's a little complicated, but, you know, Gross Augen supposedly dies in episode one, but he doesn't, and he, you know, says to her and to the rest of the superhuman bureau, yeah, you know, Kiko and I were both in the alley when he disappeared and he went back to space, but, he didn't really, and he appears uh, in his, uh, you know, other S-planetarian form that he obtained at the end, or that we, you know, realized that he obtained when we realized that Jiro, you know, hadn't killed him, so on and so forth. So that was cool to see the implications of that play out in the course of the episode, uh, and it was also neat to know that Jiro's the one who named Grosa Augen, Grosa Augen, and it was funny, I think Jaguar Hakase, or, or Mr. Jaguar, whatever, he's like, oh, that means, Jer or maybe it was, it was Emmy, which I thought was weird because she's a, a yokai, but maybe she knows multiple languages because that means large eyes in uh, German. And he's like, yeah, and he's got a big one on his chest, which is funny because I was like, hey, Grosa Augen means large eyes, and he actually has a giant eye on his chest. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> but that's kind of cool. I don't know. It's, it's neat. It's fun. Um, I didn't really know what else to say about that, but I was kind of tickled by the by that. Uh, let me see. We got introduced to... Uh, this was cool. We got introduced to one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, or eight, maybe even nine, you could call it kaiju, uh, in this episode, which was pretty cool because we just saw them for brief moments. But, uh, you know... They were cool enough in, you know, in seeing them. And then we also got introduced to multiple superheroes. There was 
three uh, three unnamed ones. Uh, maybe on the side of the Americans, I'm not sure. I'm confused by that. Uh, Earth Chan, Rainbow Knight, which that's the name of the guy who look, to me looks like Kashern and uh, seems to possibly maybe be significant to Jiro. I don't know. Um, then there was like a nameless uh, like Johnny Sacco and his giant robot type guy. But then there was like a team of four people with him kind of posing when they had some bad guys tied up in front of them uh, as well as I can't zoom in on this. So I can't really see the context at the moment. Um, there was like the guy with the space guns, futuristic guy space guns, like astronaut helmet. Uh, we saw that superhero too. So kind of neat. Um, I really liked, well, I liked it and I didn't like I liked the idea of what happened when the, the chairman or whatever, Hinata, I think is his name. Anyway, when he meets with those other two guys and like ghosts come out of their face and combine together in a ring and they're like primary colors, they're like blue, green, uh, red, and then they turn into like a white ring representing like prismaticness or whatever as they're joining as one and like they were saying like, oh, this meeting's going to take too long. Uh, arr, arr, we'll be here all day. Like, well, let's just combine our ghosts, our, uh, you know, our uh, face ghosts together and then they have like a 10 15 second conversation at the most and it like it was a cool idea but it just didn't really sell me on it, it i don't know I, I just it didn't really work for me like nice try uh but i don't really get it but then it makes it even more confusing as to what exactly is going on and who's who and you know why anything's happening so i mean it was a very impactful episode i don't have like deep questions to ask about the justice the nature of justice like i did from the last episode but you know kiko does raise excellent questions which i enjoy having uh you know developed or, or asked in the episode which is you know are kaiju inherently evil um they're at one point compared to forces of nature like a hearth an earthquake or a volcano and one of the people who is you know a kaiju sympathizer slash profiteer says like well we already live with uh you know these disasters already uh mankind does coexist with them and it seems like jiro just has a personal vendetta against kaiju because he almost died fighting them at one point in the past him and emmy were somehow involved uh, i hope that gets cleared up in episode two, um, the second half of this episode but i don't know um so he has a personal bias against them that's interesting uh like i kind of want to know who that well there were a bunch of questions raised by it, but it was a very entertaining episode, and I enjoyed those questions uh, being asked. Kiko said, you know, what if they just fell from the sky? You know, they're, they're accidentally crash-landed here from space, or they were caused by, you know, chemical dumping. And, and uh, at one point, this uh, kaiju breeder ends up saying that that's what kaiju are, that they are uh, manifested, like they're kind of a result of humanity's action, uh, negative actions on the Earth, and that they represent his rage. I'm assuming that in part two, we're going to learn that somehow when... Uh, the kaiju destroyed stuff. Was it Giganter or whatever, or whatever the guy's name? Gigan? I, I can't remember the kaiju's name. But anyway, the one that did all the destruction years ago that Rainbow Knight defeated, maybe in the process, like, his dad died and that's why he's been left with this factory and stuff. So, like, it's interesting exploring the implications of what fighting kaiju would do. And it's interesting, uh, more interesting to explore the idea of, well, what if we're the ones who cause kaiju to come into, into existence and cause all this harm to people? Then isn't mankind just that much more responsible for uh, that, you know, natural disaster or so-called natural disaster because it was actually sparked by human activity? Uh, you can see a climate change narrative there if you want. Um, I just think it's a, a broader question um, about living in harmony with nature, and I think that's more of the important thing. Uh, details of climate change are, you know, funny. Uh, some people think we're heading into a grand solar minimum, and it's about to get a lot colder because the sun will be not as hot at this time, and that it fluctuates. So we'll see what happens in years to come, right? Anyway, um, 
Yeah, so I, I basically talked about uh, the nitpicks I had, cool stuff that I enjoyed, and last thing, like trying to tie it into the larger thesis of henchin inspection. I'm really not sure what's being said about change here. Nothing quite yet, although I do think it is interesting how uh, gung-ho Jiro was originally to use uh, to use whatever power at his disposal to destroy Kaiju and how he just sees them as evil, like very black and white, uh, and he doesn't really respect the idea that there's a difference between them. Uh, but then there's the, the run-in with Shiba and he protects the Kaiju, sympathizers, and then it turns out it is them, and then his massively destructive power completely kills the one kaiju attacking him and all the kaiju that were there just like you know waiting to be switched on or or made alive or active or whatever somehow that I don't really understand and it isn't explained in the episode either at all um, so like maybe there's something there but it's not quite deep enough for me to say yes there is a great point I can make or bring up or say uh, based on this thing here so um, you know that's like kind of extra pressure that I'm putting on the show because of what I'm trying to do as I discuss it. But uh, so I kind of feel like I can dismiss that. But overall, it was enjoyable. I was intrigued. Uh, I did have my complaints, but there was cool stuff uh, to talk about. So I'm going to go ahead and transition into wrapping up now and say that uh, I'd like you to go over to mgmunis.com slash KC to uh, follow up on the post for this. Uh, that should be active. i got to double check that that page is there. Uh, but if it's through Henshin Inspection, so you can just click around for that uh, if need be to find this. And uh, check out the Odyssey uh, page where I'm hosting this. I'm doing a bunch of stuff to you know update my Odyssey channel so it's full of everything I've got going on, but all that always linked to mgmunis.com, so you can look for it there. And uh, I think that's about it. That's that's uh, that's all I'm going to say for now. Uh, people who are more into kaiju, if you've got opinions to share or you know want to talk about how Godzilla, you know, I'm going to say arguably the first kaiju. I'm sure I'm super wrong about that, but I'm going to say arguably the first kaiju was made in response to you know the nuclear weapons that were released by the United States over Japan and how uh, you know Godzilla is a result of that and it's a representation of you know how terrible a thing the nuclear weapons are and like you know what devastating effects they can have but then again i mean if you're japanese and you want to make a movie about how bad nuclear weapons are why would you have it be located in japan and have japan suffering from the fallout of that why not have instead it take place in the united states and have americans suffering from the fallout of their you know deadly uh mistake i just kind of find that interesting and i wonder uh I don't know. I'm not one of these uh, kaiju Godzilla historian type people, so I couldn't really say what that's about. But I've heard you know film buffs say that that's what it really is all about, and that there's that message there. But I, then again, I raise the question: if that's the point, then wouldn't you <laughs> wouldn't you have been able to get that point across effectively uh, by putting it in the U.S.? But then again, maybe you don't want the Japanese people to make the mistake that the uh, the Americans made, so you put it in Japan as a warning, which is what a lot of sci-fi uh, turns out to be or can be used as. So anyway, with that, I'm going to leave you with peace and blessings and ask that you take care of yourself. MJ signing out.